0: Well, after Wellington dropped points in Adelaide and a Last gasp winner from Menful Army in Perth, Melbourne Victory are top of the A-League. We think, we're pretty sure they're top, but are we 100% certain that competition points are the number one priority in the ranking system? Perhaps it's the greenness of grass at your home venue which might condemn the Brisbane Roar? Or are we sticking to alphabetical order like we do at the start of the season? Might make Christian's prediction for Adelaide in second place a little more realistic. The victory wins even count without Bruno Fornaroli on the pitch. Who knows? But the APL say victory are on top, so until we hear otherwise, that's what we're going with. There's all that and there's more on this episode of the A-Leagues of our own podcast presented by the Inner Sanctum. My name is Lachlan Abel and joining me on Monday after Monday Night Football, straight from the ground, Jacob Stevens. thank you. Thanks for uh, waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. Kevin So welcome.
1: Welcome, Lockie. Thanks for having me.
0: And Christian again off a, uh, a dreary day at the tennis.
1: Yes, good evening, Lockie. Very rainy conditions, play suspended. But-
0: I'd feel bad for you, but at least you have time to be on the podcast now. So it all worked out in yeah, the of end. Course.
1: There's always a silver lining, isn't there?
0: Absolutely. Well, not if we uh, talk about Sam Kerr's ACL injury. I know um, we have actually recorded Wednesday's dub episode before this, but I'll give you a little spoiler and say uh, there weren't too many silver linings to be found uh, out of that news this morning. But let's get stuck in. And late on Saturday night was Perth Glory two, Melbourne Victory three. Christian, a thriller of a game. We thought it had been decided late, probably three times, and something else uh, got thrown at us. But Melbourne Victory get the win away from home and go top of the A League.
1: Yeah, I know you predicted Perth to to win this lock in one of your predictions. And yeah, to be honest, I wouldn't have been surprised given you know Victory's terrible away record in Western Australia Uh, to throw a fun stead out there. The victory. Of, I think they've won. they ten out of their last 28 meetings in Perth in all competitions since October 2008. So, which I thought, yeah, it would have actually been worse, uh, to be honest. But uh, obviously, you know, the talk around victory was, you know, the expected absence of Fauna and who would step up in his position. And you know, last week I said that Chris Economides would be my personal number one choice if I were Popovich. And Obviously, yeah, he got the start on Saturday night. And although he wasn't overly convincing on the ball, I thought, you know, he did well to to create spaces in behind for, you know, for other players to run into. And obviously, he has played in that position before, so he does have the experience. Uh, He was rusty, as you'd expect, given it's his first real proper start in the world. Yeah, considering that, all in all, I thought the defense as well. A lot of questions um, to be asked once again. I know victory have kept about three consecutive clean sheets before this game, but, you know, another two goals conceded in this game. I think the centre-back pairing between you know, Miranda and De Silva isn't so perfect. I mean, there's times where, you know, they get caught out of position, not tucking in tight centrally when they need to. You know, you could even say that for the Adam Taggart goal to a certain extent. And then, you know, the corner to concede right at the end, just... So many big plays, ball watching, you know, not sticking to the marker. This team's conceded, I think, two pens and five goals from set pieces so far this season. So that lack of discipline needs to improve.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you may be a little bit stiff assigning blame to anyone but Daniel Lazani for the, uh, the first Perth glory goal, but I do take your point. Uh, Jacob, we, we talked about Bruno and Christian, you were right. Economides came straight into the nine. My prediction around Perth winning this game was maybe just victory taking a little bit of time to click. And I will claim, Christian, as you will later, that the prediction goes a little bit void once they receive a red card and it kind of goes out the window a little bit. Um, But, Jacob, you know, it was interesting. Economies came in, didn't light up uh, the world at all, but at least sets a path for the month that the victory will have without Bruno.
2: Yeah, I think we spoke a bit about what his absence might mean for this victory team in our our last episode as well. Um, And uh, we did mention, actually, somebody who had a good game um, here was Zinedine mashash And I think that, you know, like Christian was saying, Iconomedes um, could come in and while he didn't light things up with, you know, scoring a ton of goals or creating a huge amount of chances, he was able to create a lot of space for other players to really flourish in um, and Mashash was one of those and I think that he had a, an outstanding game and looked really really good um, and I think Lucky, I think you might have even tipped him to potentially be the one to step up in in Bruno's absence and he
3: certainly seemed to do that against Perth.
0: Yeah if not in the nine position Mashash did have a really good game Kevin.
3: I, I just wanted to add listen I think well played to Victory. I, I I didn't see the game, but I, I've seen the highlights. Um, I just think, um I don't think it necessarily proves that Victory can play away yet. Um, they've got to go to Central Coast and, and Wellington in the next two games without Forna So those are the two tests. If they can come through those two, then I think we can start talking about them as potential premiers. But we'll see. I think there's a while to go yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, Christian, I think it would be remiss of us not to spend a minute or so simply, uh, you know, basking in the glory of that Eli Adams goal. For that to be your first professional goal at top A-leg level, he's come in, he thought he won the game for the victory, turns out there was a little more to play out after that, but just he, allowed so much space almost to the extent where you think, oh, well, I have to shoot now, and he just puts it in the top corner up where the spiders live, what a finish.
1: Yeah, for a young kid, he's only 20, 21 years of age. So, I mean, to have that confidence behind him to take that shot in such a pressurized moment, you know, the game's pretty much on the line. Uh, it's pretty much a 50-50 away from home, you know, to come off the bench and produce that. it's Just to do that at such a young age and produce that that sort of quality is is pretty special. And even before this game against Perth, I was mentioning to you, Lockie, before before recording that I haven't really been that impressed with him coming off the bench. I think he's made one too many mistakes holding on to the ball where you know maybe he should be passing a bit sooner, better decision-making, but all in all, he's still young, so much room to improve. But yeah, hopefully this is the start for, for a promising career.
0: Jacob, from a Perth Glory perspective, I reckon Alan Stajic must be incredibly frustrated at the moment because it feels like his team is improving and we talked a little bit about how they're doing that last week. But they've just had a couple of games where these moments, like the red cards and these stuff that is largely out of their control has gone against them. I don't think anyone's really arguing, apart from Robbie Slater, about the Bruce Kamau double yellow for simulation. Uh, But it's just these moments that seem to push their project back. And, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, Christian, but I'm still not giving up on the Perth Glory. I think they're an all right side. Um, But,
2: Jacob, they just haven't had a free run at it for a little while. No, and that's the problem with football is that those sorts of things can just happen and even if you play well for the 90 minutes, it just takes one or two little things not going your way, little mistakes um, and and you're completely out of it again. I do think that this, like they're playing good football, they're trending in the right direction. Um, I don't know what the solution is, though. Like, you know, it's not, you can't just eliminate these things from a football game, you know, they're going to happen. Um, It's about whether they can sort of weather this storm, though. If they can keep going and keep playing good football, despite, you know, a a poor result when they might have wanted better or whatever, you know, keeping their heads up and continuing to play the way that they're looking to play, um, then, yeah, I don't think it's worth giving up on
3: them yet. Just getting back, I mean, I know you're you're on Perth to climb from the bottom reaches of the table from what I've seen so far I don't see it personally um I just think they'll be down there for the rest of the season but you know we'll, we'll see and uh, yeah they're not making it easy for themselves by those little mistakes uh, either red cards or silly fouls just going back
1: to what Jacob said um just quickly yeah it's not you can
3: say you
1: know it's not it's out of you know control like these situations about you know Kamau getting sent off these silly errors but at the same time I think Alan Stadjic has a role to play as well you know motivating the team drilling into his to his squad that you know just start making these silly mistakes you know just drilling it into them That's think that's a coaching aspect as well as much as anything and yeah of course you know instances can happen on the pitch that you know uncontrollable but I think that's a manager's uh, responsibility as well that has to be you know, taken into account. All
0: right, well, let's move on to Monday Night Football, the game we've just watched. Adelaide United won, MacArthur Bulls won. Jacob, you've requested 10 minutes for, for a free run at it, and Carl Viet's tactics, we're not quite going to allow you that much, but an entertaining game at Cooper Stadium nonetheless.
2: Um, the first half was entertaining. I nearly fell asleep in that second half, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was it was a case of, I think Adelaide taking all the things that they've done well over the last few weeks, um, and deciding to just change things for the sake of it, and that was what was most frustrating to me. You know, we've looked good with the the dual striker pairing of Jovanovic and Ibasuki up front. So they take Jovanovic out and put in Halloran, who's been out of form. Um, you know, instead of playing the box midfield. They have Clough and Erin Kunderin who play really wide, which leaves nobody in the middle on the turn. It just—it felt like just compounding issues from unnecessary changes that really hurt us. I think in the first half we did look all right. Um, it was a good goal that we scored. Um, I think that there were, we created a lot of chances. I remember that Ibasuki had a—he had two yards out of goal free reign at it and he misses it wide as a striker first of all you've got to finish those but as a team you can't afford to miss those especially when like Adelaide you generally your chance creation is a lot of low quality chances um, just but just bulk numbers of them I think we've got something like the second most shots per 90 in the league um, but generating very little from it. You know, when 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 that's the game plan, you've got to finish the big chances that you do get. Um, otherwise, they come to, come back to bite you like they did um, just before for us and we couldn't quite see the game over the line with the win. Kev, uh, Carl Veer is clearly in this
0: period of experiment- experimentation with his squad. He's tried the 4-2-2, he's tried the four three three, 3 3 the box midfield, field, then Kloff and Irwin couldn't have playing wider as well, which I thought actually worked quite effectively against Wellington earlier in the week. How long... Does he have to experiment with this setup before he has to say, okay, no, we're sitting in seventh or eighth position. They're currently two points away from a final spot. We've
3: got to get going now so we can play good football to get into finals. <clears throat> That's a good point. I, I think um I, I'm a big believer in playing this playing the same system and everybody knows you you might change the players within it, but stick to the same system. So everybody knows what they're what they're doing and what their jobs are. I have to say though, I actually thought Adelaide we're OK. We're pretty good tonight. I, I thought they were unlucky to, to only get a point. Um I don't know whether that says more about MacArthur than Adelaide. Um, but um, the other thing is they're quite... I haven't seen, obviously, anything like as much of them as you have, Jacob. But they're quite dependent on Irrokunda, who was good tonight, I thought. Um, but he's very hit and miss. Um, and so if he has an on-game then maybe this that system works. If he doesn't have an on you've got to change the system because he's not and that you're gonna expect that because he's a 17 year old kid. Um so it's it's a challenge to find a system when when one of your most creative players is very inconsistent, which you're gonna expect with his age.
2: Yeah, just a couple of points to, to piggyback off of that, what you were saying with, with systems and, and the reliance on Aaron Kunda. I think that um, what we did against Wellington really allowed Irinkundar to to come into the game and we really incorporated him well. We did a lot of stuff where we shifted the midfield unit across to really isolate Irinkundar on the wing, which allowed him to receive the ball earlier in space and then just work his magic with it. Um, but here against MacArthur, um, we played a much wider uh, midfield and that meant that those wide areas were congested. He didn't have as much time and space on the ball in those areas. So that was, you know, a reason why he found it difficult at times to break into the game. And I'll also note that this whole sticking to a system thing, I don't think Colviet actually fundamentally believes that that's a good thing. He made some comments in the pre-match presser um, before the Wellington game um, where he said that it doesn't matter what system uh, the team uses. And I was thinking to myself, hmm, kind of does. <laughs> like if it's a fundamentally flawed system, you're not going to play good football. But he was saying that it was more down to execution and things. Um, but I think that, you know, you help yourself out if you play a good system and it makes execution easier. So, <laughs> you know, he might have it a bit backwards there. There, there is uh,
0: some breadth to saying that playing the same system leads to predictability, right? And I think, Christian, you'll find a lot of coaches will talk about Perhaps playing in different formations and with different players, but similar themes and objectives and what they try to do in terms of you know the intensity of their pressing, get players on the ball in a certain area, theories and how we defend, and all that kind of stuff. It, do you read it like you know Carl Viet not really caring about the structures he's putting out, and it's more about their mentality, or is it experimenting and finding the system that works? Because they did have that 4-3-3 that they stuck to for a large period of time. And then they went on that run of losers and oh sorry losses and now they're trying to find something new that works.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to be able to experiment with different formations and tactics. I know what Kev's saying about you know it's important to stick with you know the same structure. You can you know put in players, um, bring them off the bench or you know incorporate them in. But at the end of the day, for me, if you have a couple of formations like, like Adelaide have you know implemented throughout the season, you know. Starsman fights at the end of the day, you know, it's not every single, you know, tactical formation is going to match up against every opponent in the league and you're going to have to adjust at certain moments. So that's an advantage, I guess, that Adelaide do have. It's just about, you know, I guess, you know, you know, training, you know, doing the basics, training on the park, you know, getting all that sort of the fundamentals right, which I think Adelaide just don't have at the moment. I think it's going to take a bit more time because, you know, juggling a couple of formations like that you know whether it be the four three three or you know with the, the two defensive you know, midfielders dropping a bit deeper you know, etc whatever they want to implement it's going to take a bit of time so yeah for me it's still definitely an advantage for me instead of you know just sticking with the
3: one I wanna I want to just add as well I wasn't suggesting that they stick with one formation come what may. I just think they ought to maybe start with the same formation and then you need to have a, uh, a an option to then change it if it's not working during the game. Um but when you when you're starting with a different formation every week that can be disruptive for the players. I, I think anyway listen Calvius more experienced coach than I am. Um so I'm not suggesting he's wrong. <laughs> um, but um but that just seems a little strange to me uh, especially with the runner results and maybe he's just experimenting too much
1: but if he is doing that though then surely that's a sign that he feels as though his players are confident in the system otherwise I, it doesn't make much sense that he would you know start each game with a new formation because you know if you do start with the same formation every game doesn't that make you sort of predictable for the opposition that coach will say oh yeah they're going to play this formation we know what we're going to expect you know in this instance you know if you're changing up a bit Provides that unpredictability, which is
0: an yeah, advantage me. If you play a system well, it's hard to stop. Jacob, what did you make of the Bulls
2: in this game? Um, I think that they defended quite well, actually. You know, they prevented us from, especially in the second half, while we had a lot of the ball, they prevented us from creating really, really good chances. Um, we were reliant a lot on just pot shots from outside the box. We were trying to do too much um, around the 18 yard area, trying to work the ball in, and they just stood strong. Um, didn't really let us in. I think that they knew that uh, we would struggle breaking down a low block um, because we are very much a team that works well with wing play, on the counter, quick breaks with players like Kunder Kunda um, on the wing. I think they've sort of were happy to let us have a bit of the ball, knowing that we didn't have that killer pass in us or the person making that off the ball movement that was going to open up space for somebody else. Um, I think that, you know, they were probably quite happy to see Ibasuki come off um, because he was probably the, the biggest threat, especially when we started to just whip the ball in from wide areas and get the ball into the box. You know, that's where having somebody who's what, I think he's like six foot four tall, you know, having someone like him in the box is such a huge advantage in those those situations. So when he came off, they were probably breathing a bit of a sigh of relief knowing that our last gasp game plan wasn't going to work with, you know, Luka Jovanovic in the middle. So, um, but no, I mean, really, really well defended from them in that second half to just allow us all the ball but not allow us to create really much of anything.
0: Well, while we're on the Adelaide theme, let's roll this into the Wellington game that was on Thursday night, the second draw for Adelaide over the weekend. Christian, the Wellington Phoenix, uh, the weekend before... The story of the Wellington-Sydney game was that Sydney just went at them full pedal, especially in the first half. Lots of pressure. Wellington couldn't handle it too well. And Carl Viet had clearly seen that game and instructed his team to do the same. But Wellington handled it a lot better this time around. So they dropped their sixes really, really deep on the edge of the penalty box on possession. And they had this box midfield as well. So you bring in Paulson and then you have lots of players around the ball. Adelaide probably didn't have quite the same personnel pressing. They only had the front three instead of the front four that Sydney had. So Wellington were able to handle that pressure a lot better and move out, I thought. And they were able to establish themselves in the game like we've seen from them so far this year.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, Lockie. I think definitely there was a big contrast from against Sydney. I think they handled the pressure definitely better. Perhaps they were expecting, you know, that sort of intensity right from the get go from Adelaide. And I think, you know, to Wellington's credit, I think you know perhaps they've demonstrated that they can play in a variety of different ways. It's not just you know soaking up pressure and hitting on the counter you know they can they can play out from the back they can they can hold their own you know from the get-go or you know after halftime etc whatever it is but um, yeah I thought very sort of back and forth encounter I thought um, maybe a draw in the end was probably a fair result. Um, but, you know, I've been sort of rather critical, if you, if you want to call it that, of the Phoenix. Um, don't want to be too harsh on them. I mean, obviously, they've had a great season. I just haven't been that confident that they can keep up this exact form. But what they showed against Adelaide is that they are very adaptable. And I think if they can you know, demonstrate that throughout the rest of the season, then you know, they've got a, a strong chance of you know, perhaps even fighting for that top two position.
0: Kev, uh, this game was last Thursday night. It feels like there's been 100 games of football since then, so I'm kind of blanking on what happened totally. But for me, you know, this was particularly the disallowed goal. That one I do remember very clearly was, I think, the brilliant example of how Wellington try to evolve. They have this really deep set when on possession so they can get lots of players on the ball and they're very good at maintaining that possession, playing passes, shifting the opposition's defense around. And when that line breaking pass presents itself, they act very quickly and very clinically. And all of a sudden, the ball uh, from from uh, Costa Barbarousas to Payne out wide and then Crave in the middle who was just offside but tucked it in. That's kind of seeming, it, It's it's like that's the Wellington formula that we're starting
3: to see. Yeah, I think that seems to be their pattern. Um, I I like Wellington. I like the way they play football. And I I think I tipped them to finish top um, the other week. Um, I've been quite impressed with the way they play. Um, So, um, yeah, I like like what they're doing. And uh, I think... Going back to the point we we're making about Calvert, they all seem to know their jobs and they know what they're doing and it seems to be a formula that's working for them. Um, they don't seem to be deviating too far from it. Um, so whether there's a lesson to be learned there, I don't know. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what Jacob thought um, about that Adelaide performance in, in in relation to Wellington. What did you think, Jacob?
2: Um, I think that we did some things really well and then I think that our defence really hindered our performance i think generally our defense was really well uh but performed really well sorry um like both lockie and christian touched on we didn't have a really high intensity press like sydney deployed against them but we used the same sort of 4-3-3 hybrid press that we've come to use a lot this season a hybrid press for those of you if you're listening that you don't know it's essentially this concept where the pressing player Will always there'll always be somebody covering his position afterwards. So there's a lot of rotations in the midfield. It's a next man up mentality. Basically, one player presses, another player moves across to cover that space. Um, and we've used that pretty well um, in, in the 4-3-3 defensively. And we used it again against Wellington. Um, they, they didn't have a huge number of fantastic chances. And the two goals they scored really came down to just defensive errors and silly little mental mistakes that have started to plague Um, Adelaide season and it's becoming a bit of a worry. So the first goal, um, Delianov came off his line to try and claim the ball, but didn't even get a hand on it. Just sort of threw himself out to the penalty area and it's an easy tap in at the back stick. I'm more angry at the centre backs in that situation because it's a 2v1 and they just sat there ball watching and allowing the ball to roll into the back of the net. Then on the second goal, uh, look, I think Bovalin is a fantastic player, but I have no idea what he was trying to do when he chested the ball down inside the box um, from across. It was only ever going to end in a goal uh, for Wellington. Um, so it's just those silly little things like that. You've got to be able to clean them up. Christian, you mentioned that you know the manager's role is to be able to instill you know a quality in players and to sort of present uh, prevent those sorts sort of things from happening. And so far, Calviet hasn't done that, um, and that's a little bit of a worry for me. I think in terms of how we played against them in general, we denied them a lot of the counterattacking that they've come to play a lot of. Lockie mentioned now they're sort of evolving more into playing out of the back. I think they did that quite well. But again, that's where our hybrid press came in, in that we were pressing them, but also covering the space in behind and not allowing them those easy passes. So they had to really work for their possession and work for their chances. And I think in attack, we looked good. Like I mentioned earlier, it was all about isolating Aaron Kundra on the wing. Um, so we just had a very narrow midfield that would shift across, just give him a lot of space and time on the ball. Um, and I think uh, a player who, well, Ibasuki had a fantastic game, obviously he scored two goals, but I think that his best attribute was his off the ball movement and his ability to find himself in space and be able to turn and execute a good pass. And I think that that's something like in his game that's really underrated. And if you're ever watching an Adelaide United game again, um, definitely keep an eye on him guys because that, that element of his game is fantastic to watch. I rarely see him miss a pass when he when he gets the ball on the turn. So,
0: well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking we might have to reevaluate our uh, rundown policy because Antonis isn't even on the show, and we've talked about Adelaide United for about 15 minutes, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> might have extended a little longer than we want to. We're gonna in, in the midst of all this A League madness on the weekend. There was an international fixture as well. Of course, the Soccer is played Bahrain in their final friendly match before their debut game in the Asian Cup this weekend Christian there wasn't a whole lot to be learned from this game maybe just perhaps a good run out against uh, a similar kind of opposition as to what we might face in the group stage next week I think the probably the thing that we did learn is Joe Gauchy is the goalkeeper that is preferred over Lawrence Thomas in the number two slot and maybe if Matt Ryan is not fit for that game against India on Saturday night then the Adelaide United player here we go we're talking about Adelaide United again perhaps Joe Gauchy will be the man between the sticks
1: yeah, that's definitely probably the number one you know, thing that we did take out of this friendly fixture. You know, for me, I would have tipped Gauchi to start ahead of Thomas, considering the season that he has had with Adelaide. Uh, I think it's definitely very deserved. Um, obviously, a clean sheet helps for the confidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Arnold will just coming into that fixture just hoping no injuries, just a good run out. Um, you know, get the tactics in order and and just get on with the with the Asian Cup uh, coming up this week. So, yeah, all, all in all, yeah, good run out. But, um, yeah, the real real thing starts this week.
3: Kev, anything from you out of this game? Uh oh, not really. I mean, confidence, another win. Um, getting used to the conditions is different in the Middle East to so playing in Australia, obviously. So, uh, I think all in all, Australia got everything out of it they could have wanted. Um, and uh, as far as I know, there were no injuries. I, I, is, is that right? Nobody pulled up sore or? as far as we know. Jacob,
0: Craig Goodwin was also involved in the goal, so I'm not going to come to you because we're threatening overload levels. So we'll (laughs) return back to the A-League. And the next game we'll talk about is Brisbane Raw 1,
3: Sydney F2. And Kev, you were at the ground. I was. And the honeymoon period for Ben Khan lasted one minute. Um, and uh, yeah, it was <laughs> what a start that was. And what was so frustrating is it was so obvious that's what they were going to do. Um, literally from the kick off, they played it down the left hand side. Zabala, who is not a left back, was coming up against Lolly, who is the best player on the pitch, and it was a massacre. And so for the first half an hour, Lolly. Rather ragged, Gomez was uh, in the middle and he was being marked by Kai Truin, who I like as a player, but he's not a centre-back. And so it was a mismatch in terms of height. Um, And literally, the first half hour was shocking from a raw point of view. Sydney were very good, actually, um, attacking-wise. And I think the raw were just, especially coming off that 8-1 loss, and then they come out, there's the biggest crowd of the season, which is only 10,000. And they conceded in the first minute and I think it rocked them and it took them half an hour to get get their heads together uh, and it could have been three or four before Brisbane got their head into the game and um, that said they managed to get a goal somehow before um before half time um decent finish although I actually thought Redmayne should have sort of saved it um and then after that Actually, the second half was a lot better from a raw perspective. Um, what Sydney did really well in the first half, we were talking about a hybrid press earlier, they pushed really high. And I know that that's what they did against Wellington as well. And the raw tried to play out from the back, um, but they were not able to do it, certainly in the first half hour. They made a few tweaks um in the second half, and, and they were a lot better. And the ball retention was a lot better. But... Uh, yeah, I mean to be honest, Sydney deserved to win, and Lolly, Lolly, and Gomez ran the show. Um, it was it was disappointing, but there was the final thing I will say is in the second half, I could actually see what Khan was trying to get them to do: quick balls into feet up front, lay off one touch, back to the midfield, and then turn and run. And they were trying that, but Sydney defended it pretty well. Um, so I think Khan said in the in the press conference afterwards. He could see some progression, which was a a big call given that it's a fourth loss on the trot. Um, but, um, but yeah, listen, Sydney were just too good in the first half hour, and the game was over by then, really. Kev, I'm actually going
0: to come straight back to you. I'm really interested where you think the players' heads might be at because. They've had this really good start to the season under the Ross Aloisi, where they've been asked to re- buy into this new philosophy with a new coach, and it's really succeeded. It's taken a little bit of a stumble, and then all of a sudden he's gone away, and you've got this new almost messiah in, you know, Ben Khan's been linked with almost every A League job in the last few years, and they're being asked to believe in this new philosophy all over and over again. So, you know, Khan said in his presser pre week that the players were naturally sceptical. Of you know him coming in and i think that's a very fair for the players to feel they're being asked to you know start this journey all over again
3: i it's a good point i actually asked jack inger in the press conference before on friday um whether there was a lot of difference between um what ross was trying to get him to do and what ben can wants him to do and he said there was quite a lot of similarities and uh, now obviously he was talking to the press and he was going to say positive things um, but I got the impression that there was a real determination, um, particularly on the back of what happened in Melbourne, to to try and right the ship. So I, I And they did keep going on about resilience. Um, I just felt that it, any resilience they might have had on Saturday was knocked out of them in the first minute because they conceded and suddenly they're on the back foot again and here we go again. So I, I think this team has got a little bit more in them. Um, I do want to stress... They didn't have their first choice left back and they didn't have their first choice centre-half on Saturday. And of all the two teams that you don't want that to happen against is Sydney with Lolly and Gomez up front. It really hurt them. So when those two get back uh, and they do need a striker, um, then I think they should turn it around a little bit. But it's a bit of a concern, obviously.
2: Jacob, what did you make of Ben Khan's debut in the A-League? Like Kev said, I think that there were definitely elements there. You could see what he was trying to implement. Um, and, you know, we've obviously had this discussion a fair bit already in this pod about, you know, working away at one thing and trying to, you know, instill that all in the, in, in the whole playing group. Um, you know, if he's capable of doing that, I think that Sydney just defended them well, um, in terms of the pass and move sort of stuff that they were trying to do, um, it was just difficult to break Sydney down, um. That's not going to happen every game, obviously, and there are going to be times where Brisbane are going to be able to really capitalize on that sort of football. So um, look, obviously, first game, it's. It, 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 I said the only thing that you know he could do wrong is, is lose worse than 8-1, so he, he managed to do all right there. Um, I've, we've spoken a bit about Lolly, obviously, how fantastic has he been this season. It's very easy for us to go on about all the failed foreign imports that this league has had, but when they're a success they are such a high quality addition to the league to each team to to the games that you watch Um, and it's just fantastic to see them playing their craft at such a a really high level
1: I just wanted to pose a question to Kev Um, I sent it in the group chat but obviously Kev you were at the game so you probably didn't see it yeah I just want to say is there any pressure you know surrounding Ben Khan obviously for me it's going to be a long-term project or that's what it should be viewed as from a management point of view but you know if there is a significant drop off, you know, down the table, is his position in jeopardy, or do you feel as though he may need a good pre season and they'll judge him after that?
3: Um, it's a good question. Um, firstly, I think he, he's putting pressure on himself because he, he's a pretty ambitious guy and he, he stated uh, in pre match comments that he expects finals football. Um, So he's put that on himself in the first press conference. Um, Personally, I don't think there'll be pressure from the management for two reasons, Um, uh, as in the senior management. Um, First, the the rumour is that they wanted him all along. Um, Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, And so now they've got their man. Um, Their fate is sort of tied to him um, in some respects. Um, and the second thing is it, the optics of getting rid of somebody again, um, especially for the playing group. I just don't, I think they've got to give the guy time. I really hope they do as well. Um, so even if they don't finish in the six, I think he'll be fine. Um, if they then start next season badly, then he might be in trouble. I agree with you, Kev. I think Ben Khan's – I don't I don't know a whole lot about him. I haven't seen
0: him at NPL level, but the way he talks about playing his style of football and having done that consistently at multiple different teams now. He seems like the kind of manager where a preseason is just invaluable and that time on the training park to have his squad out there, do the drills and get things organized is incredibly valuable to him. So whether they make finals or not this year, I agree with you. They'll aim to get in the six, but it's probably not the be-all and end-all and then perhaps we'll see them firing out next year. All right, let's move on now to the uh, the B grade Melbourne Derby. We have Western United versus Melbourne City,
3: and Kev, we're going to come back to you. First thing I want to say about this game was fair play to Aloisi for playing two up front against against, in my opinion, the best team in the league when when they're playing well. Um, so it was a brave move, and it paid off actually early on. Their goal, I don't think they I don't think they'd have scored that if they'd have just had one guy in the box because having two there attracted a couple of defenders in the guy got spare uh, and managed to poke it in it was actually a well-worked goal having said that city I thought were on top for the majority of the game and um, they they're a quality outfit and their um their possession and the way that they they move off the ball i think is really impressive flip that around again though and so western going uh, at I think they went in at 1-1 one, uh, one, one at half-time and um, they um, they miss an absolute... Sorry, they were 1-0 up at half-time. Um, they they come out and miss an absolute sitter and then City go to the other end and score a wonder goal and that really was the game in in that five-minute period. If Western United had scored that goal and put them 2-0 up, then that they would have been in a very good position even though they didn't have a lot of the ball. And... Um, So I sort of felt a little bit for Western United. I thought they defended quite admirably. They got beat by two wonder strikes, and I don't think they'll concede that quality of goal twice in the same game all season. Um, So I actually think, and and obviously they're not doing well, but I actually think there's sparks at Western United, and I think they might pick up towards the back end of the season. Um, And City are just a quality team.
0: Jacob, Kev's getting dangerously close to talking about Western United like I do, Perth Glory. Do you see any <laughs> any sparks in their season? You know, they had that win in the Alawissi Derby. Has there been enough positive signs from them
2: since then? I think that this is probably one of their best games all season. Um I think the big issue is I mean, that there's it's it's a double edged sword here, right? In that the league is very close this year, and it feels like any team on any given day can beat the other. But Western United will come to rue the fact that they haven't been able to take points off teams like some of the, you know, like Perth Glory have managed to, you know, scrounge together wins or draws or whatever. You know, Western have really struggled to to even get draws and just take a point away from games. Um, and I think towards the back end of the season, I mean, Kevin, you said it. They're going to have to have a big push um, towards the back end of the season if they really want to, you know, get off the bottom of the the table unless Perth completely implode. Um, And yeah, it's this slow start has hurt them and they've not been able to take points off teams around them. They've not been able to, you know, stay in games for long enough. I do think that the way they defended, um, you know, is a good sign that they might be able to take points here and there, you know. To have a strong defence is absolutely massive. And like you said, you're not going to concede two goals at that quality every every game or probably ever again this season, to be honest. Um, they were absolutely incredible, <laughs> incredible goals. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think that if they can keep their defence really solid... Um, you know i think there's still obviously questions about their chance creation and their finishing like have said they missed a sitter they've been known to do that throughout this season they've they've really missed a lot of good chances um but yeah at least they've got their defences sort of starting to kick on into into first gear at least now <laughs> out of neutral into first um so it can only go up from here for western christian you know uh, melbourne city was sitting just on the edge of the
0: six when we did our christmas power rankings we all pretty much had them flying up the table For me personally, these last two weeks have shown the duality of that team. The 8-1 game against Brisbane was a really uh, system-based victory. They completely played Brisbane Raw all over the park and we talked about it last week. They made more tactical adjustments at halftime, moving fullbacks wider, forcing Brisbane to spread and they beat them in a different way as well where this game it took the sheer quality that they have in their squad to get a victory against Western and when you have teams that even if their tactics and their their team style isn't clicking in a hundred percent can still beat you with that quality that's a
1: dangerous proposition definitely' It's what champion teams are made of really at the end of the day I mean if you can win ugly if you can win you know not playing your best football but still getting those positive results and of course it's always going to be a good sign you know heading into finals and and one of the main reasons why I haven't sit in third place to finish off the season was because, you know, the the presence of Jamie McLaren, I think he's just so critically important, even though he didn't score a goal against West United, I thought, you know, just his link up play in general, just his leadership, just everything about, you know, his game besides the goals that he does bring to the team. It's just so critically important. And, you know, you've got Tolgay Arslan, how many times we mentioned him, you know, throughout the season as well. He's just absolute you know, quality. I mean, look at the you know, defence as well it looks like they've you know a really, a really big mass sort of you know sewed that area up a bit, you know, since he's arrived and just the ruthless the ruthlessness of, of Melbourne City, um you know, even with the eight one win against Brisbane, it's good size at the moment. Let's just let's just see if they can keep it up and, and yeah, we'll see what happens.
3: So can I just ask, so if, if McLaren's that if that McLaren's that good, why is he not on the plane to Qatar instead of Bruno? Because Bruno's scoring more goals (laughs) (laughs) I had to get that in
0: Current form, current form Fair enough Alright, well let's tick off the last two games of the round then MacArthur Bulls won, Newcastle Jets won We've already talked a little bit about MacArthur from this game tonight They're now now just two points in their last five games Now, at the start of that run uh, I gave them a little bit of leeway off the AFC Cup And perhaps some squad fatigue And they still do have a little bit of injury trouble that they need to recover from uh, but that run is, is looking a little dire for them but we will focus on the Newcastle Jets now and Jacob another point for them you'd hope they probably would have taken a little more advantage of a weakened Bulls side this time around they just can't seem to get those wins in that that those opportune moments
2: that will help them get up the table no, it's a bit frustrating to watch them at times because they look really, really good in phases. And then in others, they are just more than happy to sit back and it's almost like they're not playing football. Um, they had a lot of really good wing play, especially up the right wing um, against MacArthur um, and just looked very, very dangerous from wide areas. And I think that um, that really played you know, into their hands as the game went on. They kept getting the ball into those good areas. But then, like I said... Once they scored, they just sort of transitioned into this low block. And um, in the second half, they were just trying to see out the game rather than trying to finish it off in attack and, you know, score a second one and and that's game done. It was, you know, they were sitting back inviting MacArthur um, forwards and that was ultimately their their undoing. You know, if they'd stuck to what was going well for them, You know, they might have gotten that win, and we wouldn't be talking about how they've, you know, managed to continually drop points from good positions this season. But unfortunately, that's the way that it's gone. I'm not sure whether that's, you know, something that they're being coached to do. You know, once you get a goal, you sit back um, and you try and defend it. You know, that's a very Gareth Southgate move, but. You know, yeah, it could be coaching. It could just be the players themselves going, well, we've scored, that's our job done, you know. Um, but they definitely need to sort that out because I think that they did look really good going forwards and then just were way, way too happy to let MacArthur just
3: play straight at them uh, for most of that second half. It's a confidence thing. Um, they were the better team in the first half and MacArthur were there for the taking and they then sat off. And I think that's because they they're not been getting results. And they just think, right, we'll just try and keep, oh, hang on to what we've got. Um, and it, it it bit them in the bum in the end, I thought.
0: And the final game of the round now, Western Sydney Wanderers, nil, Central Coast Mariners won. Jacob, that's a big win for Central Coast here. Parramatta Stadium has been a tough place to travel for a lot of teams so far this year. The Wanderers just going a little bit stagnant perhaps at this time of the season, but
2: yes, as I said, very good win for Central Coast. Um, yeah. Good win for Central Coast. Wanderers going stagnant. I'm not sure. I think throughout the season they've had a few troubles in terms of chance creation and finishing. You know their defense has been typically pretty strong so far this season. I don't think they were. The defense was atrocious against the Mariners. I don't think it was at the standard that we've come to expect from them. Uh, but going forwards, they just had absolutely nothing going for them. Their midfield was very fluid, and I think that that actually worked against them because a lot of the time they were just trying to do too much with the ball. Um, And it just meant that they were turning the ball over and Central Coast were very, very happy to hit them on the counter. It sort of felt like the Central Coast team of last season in that regard, in that, you know, they'd sort of sit, invite, hit, try and turn the ball over in that central third and then just get the ball forward quickly on the counter. Um, You know, there was a lot of uh, movement from the Mariners players in just in terms of trying to create those situations where they can create those turnovers. And Wanderers didn't seem to really have much of a a remedy to that and they really struggled to get into it in possession Christian this game brings the Central Coast undefeated run to nine games now
0: in competitions do you agree with Jacob are we seeing a little bit of the Central Coast Mariners that we saw last year
1: Uh, yeah bits and pieces I think it still has to really come together fully you know if we want to maybe tip them as you know dark horses for maybe a finals run because let's face it at the start of the season we pretty much or wrote them off with you know the departures that you know they did they did have to face with um you know before the season started but obviously Marco Tullio, you know on the score sheet and that's you know going to be uh, the end of his journey in the A League so I'm looking forward to seeing you know Christian The Harris you know someone that pops the mind to have a, like a big opportunity to to fill the boots there you know more of a starting position uh, consistent minutes you know from the get go and it's just whether you know the Mariners can I guess, you know, sustain that consistency throughout, you know, the rest of the season. But definitely positive signs, you know, playing away uh, in Western Sydney is never an easy task. So, uh, yeah, compared to where they were from the beginning, yeah, definitely um, a lot of progress.
0: All right. You're going to get into the fun stuff now. And, Kev, I'm going to rely on you for some help here because you were the absentee from last week's pod. Christian, Jacob and I all made our predictions. Uh, None of them came off. But we're going to go to you to see uh, who was closest, I guess, if that's what we're going for. Uh, and, you know, who, who was the bravest in their selection as well. So, Jacob's pick was that no goals – no sorry, no games would have four goals or more in them. Uh, that was written off immediately on Thursday night for adelaide Wellington, <laughs> But in the end, there were two, the Perth victory game as well, that got four goals or more. Christian predicted Adelaide to beat Wellington – uh, which obviously didn't happen. There was a little red card situation in there, which he tried to void his prediction on. <laughs> and then naturally I had to go in for that. And then uh, Perth Glory got a red card in the victory game when I predicted Perth would win. So <laughs> I'm feeling a little more uh, softer towards that point of view now. But what do you
3: think? Well, yeah, it's sort of um, do we give participation awards um, because you all you all um, sort of failed dismally. But I, I think <laughs> actually Adelaide Adla- uh, didn't beat Wellington, um, but they did get a draw. So I think I, I guess Christian wins because he was probably the closest. Um, <laughs> would would be my would be my take. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, hopefully our predictions are better this week. Three, three, three votes to Christian. Who gets the two? Uh, I think Jacob gets two um, because oh, there were wow. a number of other games didn't have four goals. If you're going to pick Perth to beat victory, you don't deserve <laughs> any more than one point. Um, <laughs> I spent. Um, oh. <laughs> I feel
0: robbed with about three minutes to go. I thought I was locked <laughs> sorry, in for three sorry, votes. No.
1: Thank
0: you, Kev. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's run it back now. And this week I have got Chris and Pelletti to send in their predictions ahead of time as well. A couple of interesting ones while well, you guys just final up your prediction. Uh, Pelletti has said that obviously Unite round next week, a lot of doubleheaders gained in the same ground. They reckon a doubleheader kickoff will be delayed due to an injury in the previous game. So it has happened before. <gasps> But a very very out there one yeah. for sure. But Chris is, I think, even arguably yeah. less likely. Jason Hoffman to come off the bench and score the winner for the Newcastle Jets, which uh, considering he's been struggling for game time, I'm not too sure about that one either. Uh, that is against uh, your Brisbane Roar as well, Kev. But let's go to you. What's your pick?
3: Well, I, I've got two or three, but I guess we've got to narrow it down to one. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually going to go with Western United... To get a win against, uh, I think they play Macarthur. Is that right? Um, and that's not necessarily because I think Western United are great, um, but uh, I think Macarthur are awful at the moment, um, and I think they're missing quite a few players. So, yeah, upset win for Western United is my tip. Christian, you go next.
1: I'm going to go for a rather strange one, if you will. I'll go for the United round to eclipse the season record for most yellow cards. <laughs> so. I've done my research, as any good journalist does, and so the record so far this season is 27 yellow cards in a single round. So that came back in round eight and round 10. So I think there will be 28 or more yellow cards um, across the six fixtures over the weekend. Just looking at the fixtures here, um, I mean, you've got the distance derby, uh, surely a a few fights there. You've got Adelaide (laughs) and Sydney, a fiery fixture there as well, Melbourne City Wanderers, yeah, we can pinch a few there. And the Mariners and the Victory, over the years from memory, there's been quite a few red cards, um, although I didn't tip red
2: cards. Yeah, so does the, is the question, does a red card count as two yellows in your mind? If it is two yellows. If it is two yellows, it is, but not a straight red. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, we, we won't count straight reds. So two yellows, two yellows counts.
2: Absolutely. You know what
0: would help you as well? If for Unite round, they got all the players and put them in like the Olympic Village, get a little bit of cabin fever going, <laughs> have a couple of days just to stew, work out their differences, and then they can go get some of your like guards on the pitch as well. That'd be funny. All right, Jacob, round us off.
2: Well, I was going to say something about off the pitch, especially given the, um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, the um, seating arrangements for one of the... the, the the fixtures is um obviously Sydney and Adelaide play and then Victory and Mariners play and they've put the Victory and the Adelaide fans next to each other, which is uh bound to end <laughs> well. But I thought, look, I'm not gonna be negative. I think it's gonna be a great weekend. I'm sure everyone's gonna have a good time and behave themselves. So instead I've said, look, I predicted that this week there weren't gonna be many goals. I'm changing it around. I can't be wrong twice in a row. Two hat tricks are gonna be scored next weekend. Okay. Very interesting. Goals galore at Unite. Well, everyone's
0: going to be there. They better put on a show, right? Create some entertainment value. Now, my pick, the Perth Glory have a very tough fixture this weekend against the Wellington Phoenix. I reckon they're going to get the job done. They're going to have no red cards. They're going to finish with 11 players on the field and three points in their back pocket against the Wellington Phoenix. What do you reckon of that, Christian?
1: You are not going for that same prediction two weeks ago. He's so, going right? to keep
2: doing it until it I pays know. off. <laughs>
1: have you got a family connection with Perth or something? I've got
0: no connection to Perth. I just reckon they're not that bad.
1: Lockie, <laughs> we have a poor record against the world. Why are you supporting Perth? <laughs> okay.
3: oh, right. Interesting. Well, good on you, Lockie. Stick to your guns and you might end up with one point again next week. <laughs> yeah, look, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Christian, if, if you just go
0: for safe ones, you know, eventually Perth Glory are going to win a game and I'll lock in the three votes because of how unlikely it is and I'm bound to bound to rack them up eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah, by that stage, we will be too late once I keep racking up three votes each week. So by that time, you know, we will be too late. Now what we'll
0: do is we'll consider last week a warm-up because we just had the three of us. Well, we got the six of us this week. Antonius will come back in soon when he gets back from holiday and we'll start an official count and then uh, at the end of the season we can tally him up and, and see who comes out on top. Okay.
1: So mine doesn't count. Mine doesn't. No, yours, yours like doesn't
0: count. Very harsh on Chris. You know, it would be it would be unfair to Kev Christian. It would be unfair to Kev. That's what I'm saying.
1: All right, fair yeah. enough. Okay, well I'll back
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well that will do We better sign off now uh, on this episode Of the a Legs of our own podcast Jacob Stevens, thank you very much For making the effort to rush home for us tonight
2: Oh, That's alright, I really
0: enjoyed it <laughs> Thank you Christian Monskin, enjoy the tennis hopefully In the dry tomorrow
1: Thanks lucky. yeah, hopefully better conditions tomorrow
0: And Kevin Sangster as well, thank you Thank you for having me lucky. speak soon all right, we'll be back uh, tomorrow on Wednesday for our dub review as well. Thank you all very much for listening at home. Goodbye.
1: I'm low key pissed off that my votes don't count.